This fall, you've got your priorities in order. Pumpkin spice everything and watching all the football that your heart desires. No, just me. The one thing that just so happened to slip your mind, build your website, which is kind of problematic because you know that a website is the secret sauce that's missing from your online presence. It's how your future clients will find you, whether from a referral or Google search. It's the best way for someone to vibe check you without you having to feel like you're an influencer. It's the key to sharing more about your specialty or focus area. And it's the one-stop shop for someone to learn more about your story and your values. All this to say, if your website is kind of meh or doesn't exist at all, you're leaving a lot of unknowns on the table. Not the best idea, considering it's a pretty important marketing tool. But there is some good news. You don't have to learn how to code or spend hours hunched over your coffee table trying to teach yourself how to build a website. Why not have me build it instead? I only have three spots left to work together this fall, and one of them is calling your name. Head on over to morgansinclairdesigns.com to book your discovery call. This is a surefire way to step into 2024 with a solid online presence without having to lift a finger or move a mouse. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians to building a cohesive brand to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it, talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight-inclusive business, the good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we're on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. Today, we are in person together. This is a very rare, excellent occurrence. I mean, it's happened like four times. It's happened a couple of times, but in the span of two years, four is not very... No, in in the span of almost 100 episodes. Yeah, almost 100 episodes. episodes. I'm a little low-key bummed that we're together only recording episode 99 and not 100. We thought about faking it, but (laughs) it's fine. We'll roll with it. We'll roll with it. Anyway, so today we're talking about piecing together your income, having your hands in different cookie jars, or not putting all your eggs in one basket, whatever idiom, metaphor, (laughs) sixth grade English, I don't remember, whatever you want to look at it as, having different streams of revenue, piecing together your income, having different projects meets different needs. So we're going to dive into it this week in person together. But as we do, before we dive in, we're going to do highs and lows. Keep it simple. Morgan. We love some good highs and lows. We do. <laughs> it's also always so weird to look sideways at you when we're in I person. know. <laughs> so and weird. I feel like I should be across from you like this. I feel like we're about to do like a yeah. <laughs> rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> anyway. What were your highs and lows? My high of this week was I finally got everything done that I needed to do to hire my first accountant. Yay! I know. So uh, I have had a bookkeeper since I started my business and he's been really great um, just because it's not a task that I have like wanted to do. But my businesses have grown. My dad is technically a CPA. Like he worked as an accountant before still dabbles in it, but is not like up to date on all of the like small business taxes that you like need to know about. Right. right? 
And so last year um, he was like, Morgan, you should probably like start looking for another accountant to do your taxes. At least he gave you like nine months notice. Oh, he gave me plenty of so time. So good. Yeah. And I was talking to another dietitian in Houston and she passed along their, the accountant that like she uses that her family's used that her grandparents have used. We love like, a referral. We love yeah. a referral. It was great. And uh, one of my favorite things about it is they are like a 50% women identifying team. Ooh. Yeah. That's great. And so I was like, okay, I like this. Like that feels very values aligned of like getting to have a woman on my team to support me financially. Like I just feel like when it comes to money, I am so much more open and vulnerable and able, able to like not have to put on this like... I know what the fuck I'm talking about facade Mm -hmm. whenever I'm talking with a woman Mm -hmm. um, or non-man. And yeah, I, so I like dotted all my I's crossed on my T's. I ended up uh, firing is such a strong word, ending relationship. I don't know what the proper terminology is. Firing my bookkeeper basically, Um, which like is, it sucks to say because like he truly was great, but I, just am not making enough revenue to be able to do bookkeeping and monthly costs for having an accountant. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've always wanted to do as well is figure out how to incorporate my mom into my business a little bit more just because like she was a stay at home mom. She's an accountant by trade too. Um, but she was a stay at home mom. And so I was like, huh, like, I wonder if there's like some small tasks that I can give her to do to help like fill her day because like me and my brother are grown. She has like the dogs and my dad, but, mm-hmm. um, that was always something that's been like in the back of my mind. And so I had asked her if she, ha- if, if she would have any interest in becoming my bookkeeper and that like using QuickBooks is not that hard. And so she said, yes, uh, that's, yeah, I, mixed feelings about it. I can dive into it a little bit today um, with the different pieces, but I think ultimately it's a, it's going to be a really good thing. You know what? It is so common that people involve their families in their businesses to do admin things, accounting Mm -hmm. things, bookkeeping, like it makes sense. And it's a lot of moms too. And I think it's, it's such a mom task. Like moms (laughs) are the CEOs of houses a lot of the time. And so of course they can handle this. Yeah. And of course it like gives them something to do. And of course they want to help their kids. So my life, we love it. Core memories growing up was my mom. So I was in band in high school and we, the full band uniform, you have your, what are the, your bibs? Like what you were for skiing, but we had those for marching bands. What? And Why? then you put the jacket over it. It's a marching uniform. Why do you need a bib though? Those are the pants. Oh my gosh. Amazing. It's the bib. And then you put the jacket on over okay. it. You have the hat, you have the plume, which is the feathers that come out of it. You have specific socks, specific shoes. And my core memory of my mom was she was in charge of the spreadsheet that kept track of like all of our sizes, all of our measurements. And like, that was her role. And she was just like a wizard with spreadsheets growing up. And so I'm really excited for now her you're to- full circle. I know we're full circle. So yeah, that's just like, it's just like really fun. It's like finally coming to fruition. September was my last month of my bookkeeper. I like did the stamp of approval. Yes. For my accountant, my mom's on board. I'm teaching her how to use QuickBooks next week. I love it. A fresh quarter start with your mom doing your bookkeeping. Yeah. Yeah. How did you do it out of love? Love that. We love paying (laughs) in love. Really? I know. I was like, I'll come over like once a month for like dinner and a little bookkeeping end of month report. Cute. It'd be great. 
and you get a free dinner. It's <laughs> <laughs> really benefiting I, from all of this. It's, a, it's perfect. That's what moms want. Okay. I go over there quite a bit for dinner. Anyway, so we'll just like practice this on. It's just for us to connect. Hmm. Yeah. How did your bookkeeper respond whenever you were like? Super great. Yeah. He was like, totally understand. Like makes a lot of sense. I've really enjoyed working with you. Best of luck. Let we me love a good close out. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That was good. My low of the week is I just, I started working on some more weight inclusive business Academy stuff. And I just had like a little bit of a moment of panic hmm. because there are, if I could like snap my fingers and have weight inclusive business Academy be like, everything's done, everything's published and available. There's probably close to 80 lessons. Holy shit. Yeah. Because I, it, there's lessons for each stage of entrepreneurship. And so even though I talk about you know, marketing yourself as a clinician. Well, marketing yourself as a clinician when you're still working a full-time job, it's going to look a lot different than marketing yourself as a clinician when you are running your own business versus marketing a group practice, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's just like, so, and so it's like, there's a marketing lesson in each stage. And so it's just a lot of stuff, um, a lot of lessons, a lot of education. But I think in order for it to be as supportive as it can be for people as they're going through the different stages, like it needs to be broken up like that. And so I just kind of had this like moment of panic of like, holy shit, am I ever going to get all of these lessons done? Mm -hmm. Because right now I just kind of like pluck two out of my spreadsheet and be like, these seem fun to work on. And so I'm like, how can I make this more strategic? And so I'm going to try this quarter where like I have four email marketing lessons that I want to do, like an intro to email marketing, a, um, I'm going to buy that one. <laughs> okay. This is so much validation because there's four lessons. There's like intro to email marketing, which is like all about like, what is email marketing? Is it right for you choosing your platforms? Then we're going to go into like setting up your email marketing strategy. Then we're going to go into campaign email slash newsletters. And then we're going to go into automations. And so it's like a four part lesson. And I was like, okay, instead of just like, just doing one, what if, don't hold me to this. I haven't fully decided this, but I was like, what if I did a like four day 30 minute long little like masterclass mm. or webinars or whatever you want to call it. It would force me to write the scripts. It would force me to get all the marketing material up and running. I could offer it for free, get people's email addresses, not offer a recording and say, if you want the recording, you can purchase the lesson. That's smart. Here's a discount code. Okay. You can't say this idea and not do it. <laughs> Is it a good accountability? Idea? Yes. You think that's a good idea then? Absolutely. We should, we need to do more episodes like this where I like bring an idea yeah. or you bring an idea yeah, and we like, like talk through we it. We can call it incubator. Ooh, I <laughs> In- like it. Incubators. incubators. Ooh, that could oh, be a thing that we do. The innovators incubator. Ooh. That's a lot. Okay, <laughs> don't know, steal our idea. <laughs> we love a good alliteration. Um, we do. Wow, that's a really good idea of like doing something like that. We could have people bring in their ideas too. Ooh. <laughs> You're watching this all unfold. Yeah. Okay, anyway. and when I think of incubator, I think of like a little egg yes. and a like the heat lamp. Hey, I was, you know what they say? Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Oh wow, we're full circle. <laughs> so get at this. Okay, keep a lookout for an incubator situation. Yeah, don't steal our work. Yeah, well, okay, but <laughs> to drill back in, I'm glad you think it's a good idea because I think there's accountability in all parts of it, and then I could just record those lessons mm-hmm. and use those. Well, in... we, we talk about recycling content. Yeah, like, it's recycling content. It's just smart and efficient. We like right. efficiency. Yeah. Do it. Okay, cool. I'm going to do it. Awesome. I will attend. Be on the lookout. Okay. It should be really good. <laughs> I started writing the scripts on the plane ride to Denver. Oh, by the way, we're both in Denver. Yes. I guess I should have mentioned we that. We are Denver. together. We but... say, yes, we're in Denver. 
wind is happening. We love the wind team. They've been so fun to hang out with. Yeah. Should I go into my high now? Yes. Please do. <laughs> okay, please do. Part of it. Please do. I'm going to go grab my coffee. Okay. Amazing. All right. So my highs and lows, we're a little all over the place. Um, <laughs> yes. It's so different when you have like a screen barrier of just like, okay, you talk, then I talk. And when you're together, it's just different. So <laughs> it is. Um, my high is seeing a lot of cool people this week. I'm finally feeling like I'm not just a little hermit um, introvert. And it's been nice to connect with people. And there's a lot of folks in town for the wind conference. There's a lot of folks in town for Fincy. And it's just really nice to have in-person face-to-face time with folks. How does it feel like, how does it feel feeling like everyone came to Denver to see you? I feel like you're seeing so many people. Oh my gosh. I love it. And I kind of, it's, it's kind of like, Oh, I logically know they're not here just to see me. So that helps buffer it. It's kind of like when I talk about, I hate when people sing me happy birthday. Side note, my nephew cried when we sung my parents happy birthday recently. And I was like, I get that buddy. I get that. It's just like, when you feel like you're the center of attention, it just makes me like freeze, which surprises people. Cause people think I want to be, people think I want to be the center of attention. I don't, I just like to talk, but like, don't look at me for too long. (laughs) But it feels good to, I love small group. Like every kind of meeting interaction has been small group. If there's an expectation of me, I learned this about myself. And maybe this is part of my high too. I'm jumping all over the place. I went on a retreat last weekend. Yes, we haven't been talked about the retreat yet. I feel like so much time has passed. So that's also another high. And us connecting in small group. I went on a retreat that my friend who I used to share office space with before I got my own suite hosted. And her company is called alive ventures we'll link it in the show notes it's very awesome incredible um michelle cooper and ann niece run it they're both amazing therapists wonderful humans we went to steamboat springs the the leaves in colorado right now are popping and beautiful yeah and we were on like this lovely farm ish house there weren't animals there were probably animals like in the dark you know but it wasn't like the wilderness animals. There weren't chickens. No chickens. No, that would have been so nice to have the fresh eggs though. <laughs> we did have good eggs. Um, anyway, so I was there Thursday evening through Sunday midday. And the retreat was about what makes you come alive? Like, what is the meaning? What is the point of doing all this? So now I've just been asking everybody. All yeah, that week. was our check-in for, it was our accountability, check-in for accountability club. club. What makes you come alive? And one thing that I realized on the retreat is I have a hard time when there's expectations of me. And that's what happens in groups sometimes because I am, I have a safe face. I also shared that in the accountability club. That's my fun fact. People love to talk to me and I love that. That's great. I'm glad I have a safe face. I have like a nice friendly face. I will be standing outside of the bathroom at the airport and people will come up to talk to me. And I'm like, (laughs) like, this this is time replacement. (laughs) Anyway, so, but sometimes in groups, because I am, a friendly face there feels like an expectation of me of like i have to entertain i have mm-hmm. to be the person that keeps the things going and it's probably a lot of my own projection sorry i'm like outing all my shit but we that's need to what... record it together more often right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> cards yeah i just yeah i don't like when expectations of me and then it makes me do the opposite and i think mm. that's why i shut myself off sometimes because it's a boundary it's like an overcorrection of like do not put an expectation on me i can't I don't want to do this. So I'm literally going to put myself in a position where I don't have to. Like be defiant almost. Yeah. Like screw you. Yeah. Not doing it. Yes. And that's when it goes into the concept of 
which we talked about in accountability club yesterday, the cages we put ourselves in, which is from Glennon Doyle. And she talks about how like society puts us in a cage. And then when we run away from that cage, cause we're like, fuck that I'm defiant. We sometimes put ourselves in our own cage. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, where's the middle ground here? Like, what do I want? How do I want to interact with people? And how do I still have boundaries for myself? And so I think I had to go through all that all to say, I'm excited to see people. I don't feel like there's any expectations of me. I feel like I can just show up to things and be a friendly face. Talk to me. I want to talk to you. And that feels good. I love that. I don't it's know nice if I to be like not on like the like the planning side of things. Because I feel like as a group practice owner, you're constantly having to show up yes. as a group. As like hosting adminations. Like there's just so much where like you are essentially like hosting. Like mm-hmm. you are the host. And it's really fun sometimes just to get to like show up. Yes. And do things. That's how I feel this week with wind, because like I had zero part of any of the planning with this, but I'm staying with the wind team in Denver. And I'm like, I just like get to be here. It's like, I get to show up to things and I'm like, give me tasks to do. Like, I'm happy to do it, but like, it's nice to not be the leader. I'm not hosting. Mm-hmm. It's different when you are hosting and you've stepped into that and you're like, yes, I accept this, mm-hmm. this role. And you're like excited about it, but it's when you're put in positions where you're like, mm, I don't, do this right now is like when it's hard step up to be the leader yeah mm-hmm. yeah because that's the thing is like i love hosting like so much like like there's fewer all of your businesses are like i know based on hosting yeah but the, it is very refreshing to be able to step into situations where like there is just like so much confidence in everyone else around me that like they have their shit together and they're going to do a great job and like i'm happy to support when needed but like i just i like efficiency i like things to be like planned coordinated, whatever. And when that's missing, I feel like I have to step into that. Mm-hmm. And then that's what puts you probably in a position like what you're talking about. Right. Right. But it's like self-induced expectations, but also like, I'm not going to let someone run an inefficient event. Not on my watch. <laughs> not on my watch. Yeah. My low is in all that. I'm feeling very distracted from work <laughs> mm. and I'm doing that thing where you procrastinate and you check your inbox and you're like, does something shiny come through that I can respond to oh, to yes. feel productive? It's a fucking mood this week. Uh-huh. So I'm calling myself out on that because I want to stop doing that. That's valid. I had that earlier this week because I finally got my inbox down to zero and I kept refreshing it. I was like, someone need me. <laughs> someone give me a task to do because I don't want to work on my own stuff this week. I want to work on other people's projects. Yep. I'll be waiting for that email from you tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do have some tasks to do for you so that you can do your part. I am just in a responsive state this week. Like Mm -hmm. I'd rather respond to other people's stuff Mm -hmm. than be the proactive one. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it comes down to when we're doing our own stuff. You have to be in a proactive mindset of I'm going to initiate this thing to start. Kind of like when you're doing the lessons for Weight Inclusive Business Academy, you're initiating that. It's not someone being like, hey, Morgan, do this lesson and here's the outline. That'd be like, boom, done. So I'm feeling reactive this week. Yeah, I'm right there with Emma. Are you ready to dive in? Let's do it. Whenever we were coming up with this title, piecing it together, your income, putting your hands in different cookie jars. I love the phrase. And this is this is how I describe myself all the time. I, I rarely describe myself as a multi-passionate. I usually say like, oh, like I just have my hand in a couple different cookie jars <laughs> because I just like, I just love that phrasing so much more. And it's one of these things where I uh, go back and forth a lot because I think there's a lot of power in having one thing that like supports you financially. 
And I don't think that I would do well just having one thing. I think I've definitely swung in the opposite end of like having too many things that didn't have direction. I feel like maybe I'm finding a sweet spot. I feel like it's always ever-changing, so that's fine too. But it's been really fun to, as you mentioned, not having all of your eggs in one basket and getting to bring be bringing in income from a bunch of different things and kind of like seeing what works. I feel like I'm in like an exploratory curiosity phase because I finally have enough things that like are bringing in income, but I haven't fully put my finger on like what percentage of my time I should be spending in each area that's bringing me income. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's interesting when we're talking about business, the biggest thing we focus on understandably is income of like, what's going to support me financially because this is our jobs. Right. If you don't have that, you, yeah, you don't have a job. Right. And it's hard because it's, I don't even want to say money's a necessary evil because it doesn't have to be evil, but it is necessary. And so when we're trying to think about what we want to do, how we want to spend our time, what's going to bring in the money, we have to prioritize that. And it's hard because I think there's a pressure from businesses to have one, make it super successful that it's supporting you. And that's that almost like replacing your full-time job. Mm -hmm. And in reality, we want to give people permission to pursue different projects for different reasons. And there's so many benefits to doing that, which we're going to talk about today. Also, side note, if you are a one person business, no, one business kind of person, we love that for you as well. We just want to challenge the notion of you have to have, quote unquote, one successful business to support you because that's just not the world we live in anymore. Quote unquote, made it. Yes. Okay. I am going to throw in this caveat, not caveat, additional hot takes. No, it's not even a hot take. It's just something for us to be aware of as we go through this conversation too, where Morgan's like, I only have two LLCs, yet I have six, seven types of revenue streams, potential revenue streams, right? And so I guess technically three LLCs because we're inclusive innovators. But even just like focusing on like, you know, like I technically only own two businesses, but within those two businesses, not including the podcast, because that's technically under your name. <laughs> that's okay. Just having Morgan Sinclair Designs in the eating expedition, like just under Morgan Sinclair Designs, I have one-on-one work. I have hourly work. I have designer for a day. I have templates. I have Wayne Inclusive Business Academy. Like all of that gets funneled under the Morgan Sinclair Designs LLC. Mm. Like, that'd be a fucking shit show if I had five different LLCs for each of those. Like that doesn't make any sense. That would make no sense. It would make no sense. And so even though like if I was just focusing on Morgan Sinclair Designs, I'm like, oh yeah, that's like my one job, my one LLC or my one business. That's mm-hmm. what I meant to say. My one business. Like there's still so much diversity under that one LLC. Okay. So what I hear you saying is Morgan Sinclair Designs is a cookie jar that has like monster cookies, chocolate chip, double chocolate, yep. no oatmeal raisin. That shit is trash. Um, <laughs> peanut butter. Okay. I think I offended Morgan. I mean, if I had all those other options, I would not choose an oatmeal raisin cookie. I have never once chosen oatmeal raisin. I will not. But if it's there, old person cookie. It's an old person cookie. Sorry if it's your favorite. Um, I do love just like a solid oatmeal cookie, like oatmeal chocolate chip cookie. Oh, I could do like an oatmeal cream pie. Yeah, there we go. That yeah, would be different. That sounds that delicious. different. Yeah. yeah. But yes, that's exactly what I'm saying is like my cookie jar of Morgan Sinclair Designs has a variety of flavors in it, which is exactly how I want it. I don't want a cookie jar with like 
12 chocolate chip cookies. Well, honestly, I probably wouldn't discriminate because cookies are cookies, but I'd much prefer a little like sampler of everything. I like a sampler. I like a sampler situation. Okay. But to circle back to replacing your full-time job income, because this is something that I thought was going to be way easier than it has been. I left my full-time job December of 2020 and I was making a pretty solid amount of money. Um, Very comfortable to live on. And I've now been an entrepreneur full-time for almost three years. And I am like, I'm, I'm only making half of what I made in my full-time job. That's not your revenue at your company. That's your take. That's my take home. Yeah. Yeah. My revenue is okay, but like, I only pay myself 50% of the revenue. Right. And so it is like nowhere close. And I like go back and forth because I definitely have thoughts on like a lower revenue month. And I'm like, oh, life would just be so much easier if I was able to get a paycheck every two weeks. Like that would just make things so easy. But I also know like having had this much freedom for the last three years, I would not do well going back into a corporate style full-time job. I think about that so often in many contexts, but the one coming to mind right now is group practice and how we structure our team working. Mm-hmm. Um including me. Nobody works 40 hours. Nobody is expected to be on call. When people shut off, they shut off. When people want to start working, they start working. It is not the same. Sell your soul 50 hours a week minimum, even though we tell you 40 ass in seat, eight to six kind of job. And I think there's a beauty in if we are working in a field that we are not getting paid enough, like maximizing what we can pay people and minimizing and making the work efficient so that the other compensation they get is time, which we've talked about the different resources that you Mm -hmm. get. And Mm -hmm. so when I hear you say, you cannot really pay me enough to go back to this kind of job, I totally understand that and respect it because just that trade-off of time and energy really offsets that pay sometimes. Yeah. And the flexibility. Yeah. I wonder a lot though, like what my life would be like, this is a thought that I've had recently. I'm like, oh, like what would my life be like if I had actually pursued, because like my goal after getting my master's in business was to go work for like a food company. I'm like, what would my life be like if I was now the chief marketing officer for a food company or for like a food magazine or what are you imagining your life would be like? What would be different? Um, well, I'd probably be living in Manhattan (laughs) and that seems really fun. (laughs) You could do that now if you wanted to. No chance. You could live with five roommates. (laughs) I know that, uh, that I need to have much more stable income if I were to ever make that leap. I'm very, very thankful to live in a reasonably affordable city. Still a big city, but it's, you know, cheaper than Denver. Do you think? I think so. Mm. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, all that to say, I I have those thoughts a lot, but then I go back to like, I want to work for myself and in order to, I want to say like make ends meet, but not even that in order to pay myself what I'm worth. Sometimes that just involves having several different things. And a phrase or terminology or idea that my business coach has introduced to me recently is like, you can have all these different things, 
And some of them, you're just going to have to change the levers on and off, depending on what you need financially, what you need emotionally, what you need physically. Um, Like if I'm wanting to go work from Europe, well, my one-on-one work is probably not going to be as prominent because the time difference. And so then what other levers do I have that I can turn on market more that will bring in income without me having to directly be there? Mm. And so it's like this idea of like, these different levers is like, where do I focus my energy based on the goals that I'm trying to meet for that quarter? Because kind of, I would say probably right before we started the accountability club, I was just feeling like stretched because when the income or whenever the revenue wasn't matching what I wanted it to, my entrepreneurial Enneagram seven, just do the dang thing mindset was like, well, what else can I add? What else can I add? Mm-hmm. And that is like a surefire way to just like spread yourself way too thin. Whereas now I'm like, okay, I'm able to, I, I don't have to have all of these businesses, all of these projects, all these revenue streams in growth mode all the time. Like I can't, you can't. You, yes. Also you can, that's fucking awful. But now I can be like, okay, these are my goals for this quarter because I want to prioritize spending time with my family, which means I need to be a little bit more unplugged from my laptop, which means I need to focus more on template sales and weight inclusive business Academy and not as many, not have as many one-on-one spots available. And so being able to, yeah, like open, close, meet halfway, those lovers. I have a couple questions about what you just said. Going to circle way back to what you said, and I'm going to derail it a little bit, but I heard you say in order to make what you're worth. And I always think this conversation is interesting because sometimes what we're worth doesn't, isn't what we get paid Mm -hmm. for systemic issues, for phase of business issues. Like there's so many reasons. I think about my team a lot. I'm like, everybody in that fucking room deserves to make so much money and the systems just aren't there to do what I think people are worth. Ooh, I appreciate that. I think- I'm curious about yeah. what you mean. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that that magnifying glass to that phrase because I think it's just a phrase that I use all the time that I hear podcasters use all the time uh-huh. in like the business space that's not super values aligned. I think charging a fair price that also brings into the fact the value that is not just fee for service, but also the value that the other person, the client, the customer is going to get from the end result. I like it. Something sustainable. Something sustainable. Yeah. Because like, yeah, like if you think about charging what you're worth, there's not ever really a cap Mm -hmm. to that. Right. Right. I think we could probably big ourselves up enough to charge a lot. Yeah. And so it's like the balance of like that, not devaluing yourself, I guess is what I should say. Cause I feel like I'm in this limbo, like I'm raising my prices right now. And so I'm like, there's a lot of like push pull money talk mm-hmm. money feelings all of that but yeah i think focusing on like what's a happy medium of like being able to pay myself enough to like live a life while also um recognizing that like the services and specifically me right not one on one client work for eating disorders but like specifically for like what i'm doing which is b2b not b2c mm-hmm. um the value that the other the businesses that I'm working with are getting 
the ROI that the they ROI. receive from working with you and right. having a website done by you. Right. A thousand percent. And I think that's also, I didn't even think about that until I said it out loud. That's also a very different distinction of like a business to business yep. model versus a business to consumer model. It is very different and has different limitations, challenges. Yeah. Systemic systemic yeah, systemic with it. Yeah. yeah, that's like, ooh, we should talk about that sometime. B2B versus B2C. Yeah, love that. Noted. Noted. Okay. I love the term being a multi-passionate versus being multi-passionate. It's, oh. it's like an identity thing of like, I'm a multi-passionate, which means this about me. And I think the semantics are so interesting. <laughs> but I also think we are multi-passionate for so many different reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about pulling on an off different levers. We're talking a lot about revenue and finances in the mm-hmm. beginning of this episode, because truly like that at baseline, we have to have revenue to take right. care of ourselves, but we often pull on and off different levers because of different needs we have for creativity, mentally, like things we want to do with our brains and things that engage us. And I'm curious on your thoughts on that. Oh yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of what I was going after too, of like the physical piece, the like location wise, I can pull on different levers, but yeah, I I totally agree mentally, especially as I've leaned more into like working in flow with my cycle, like there, whenever I'm in my follicular and ovulation phase, my confidence is at an all time high. And that's usually whenever I'm more focused on like my projects, because like my confidence in myself like that that's what I would bet on myself to like do big shit in my businesses (laughs) whereas like the other two weeks out of the year like obviously I have to do client work all four weeks like it's not I don't get to like pick and choose but um I'm more intentional with my time during those two weeks on how I spend it versus like I feel like I can crank out client work pretty consistently I love that but yeah it's it's and it's such a good um there's sometimes where I need to be more focused or like want to be more focused in my business. And I was like, oh, I really just want to like check things, 10 things off my to-do list versus like, huh, I wonder what the next year has for this project. Dreaming and scheming. What's my big hairy ass goal for this project? Like, how can I work towards it? And they're just like very different. And that's so normal. And I also think we grew up in a society that didn't allow us to honor that either. Like, I feel like I grew up and maybe I shouldn't speak for everyone, but I feel like I grew up in like a, you put your head down, you work, you move the needle, you chug through things all the time. And there just like, wasn't a lot of space to be like, you know what? Like, I don't want to check things off my to-do list today. I want to have space to think about future endeavors and new ideas. And like, new ideas don't come to me when I'm in the grind all the time. Right. Yeah. You need the ebb and flow of space and time. For me, mentally, I think a lot about capacity and types of work. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about, you know, my my evolution from solo clinician, seeing my first client in 2017, to this group practice owner and leader of 12 people on my team, and how a lot of the evolution has come from a need of wanting to grow the company. And so I need to shift, but also my brain having different interests mm-hmm. and different levers. I even want to pull in my brain. I love business. I love strategy. I love entrepreneurship and talking about all of that stuff. 
And I've learned that about myself through doing all these different positions in my business, which has been my own version of having my hands in different cookie jars, you know? And I am finding now, you know, I've decreased my amount of one-on-one time at Nourish Colorado, really leaned into consulting and business coaching over the last three years, supporting other group practice owners, which I love. And that is the bulk of my bread and butter earnings at values driven group. Mm-hmm. And now I'm entering a season where I'm putting a cap on the one-on-one, even though that will short-term quote unquote impact me, right? It could delay revenue that I get and that's okay. But I really am craving having other ways to serve this community of brave risk-taking individuals who want to create better workplaces for people. And so I'm like, okay, since I'm a, a person with different capacities, how do I bring in other projects that are going to fill fulfill me in different ways mentally, even if there's not a lot of ROI in the same way as spending an hour with somebody, like creating space for that with no, yes. no expectation and just letting it be a new offer that I have and seeing what happens. Like that may not fulfill me revenue wise right away, but it's going to allow me to have different options so I can pull different lovers in my life mm-hmm. when I want to go surf a whole day while I'm in Mexico. Yes. Yes. And not be in one-on-one meetings. I think you, it was a very minor thing you said, but I'm going to pull it out and we're going to tease through it. Most new projects that you start are never going to have the same ROI as one-on-one work in the beginning. Yes. And then it is a, it can be a very hard intentional decision to say no to money in mm-hmm. order to have that space to build something new. Because right now I I'm our business models look different because they just do. You do coaching, I do design design work, right? If I wanted to stack my schedule with more than because I, I try to do like onboarding two design clients a month. And it's usually even not that much, just based on how things have worked out. But if I decided to like really lean into that and start a new design client once a week. Like, could I do that and make a shit ton more money? Absolutely. I could, but that would, I would, I would still be trying to do these other things and then getting frustrated with myself because I didn't intentionally carve out time to focus on those. And it is a hard intentional decision because in a place where I could really use more consistent revenue, I'm still intentionally saying no and just having to trust the process that what I am creating that is not bringing me money yet, but that I am building and growing similar to you with like masterclasses, webinars, courses, all of the things that you're bringing to life. Going to start dabbling in. And will be, will be in the next probably couple months um, of bringing some of those things to life is like, it's a hard decision to make and there's not a right decision to make. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it, that's like being an entrepreneur one-on-one. Like yes. you have so many decisions you have to make and none of them are going to be the right decision. Yep. It's going, <laughs> but the most important thing is making a decision. Yes. Because even if you made the quote unquote wrong decision, you can then pivot. Pivot. And Learn from pivot. Absolutely. But this is why it's really important that all of your decisions for your business and all the different projects you're taking on and piecing together for your income is not always about income to start, which we also recognize is a major privilege to have. In that, when you have different pieces you're piecing together, pulling levers on and off, that can create space to be able to have other projects. Because if you have multiple streams of revenue, Mm -hmm. 
then it feels like a little bit more of a safeguard. Think of a three-legged stool versus a five-legged stool. I actually don't know if the fifth leg is helpful, but <laughs> would, I'm trying to imagine it. It but... would have to be like different lengths, I think. So it would have to like span out a little. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Anybody have a five-legged stool, let us know. Let us know. But you have protection if one of those goes away to be able to create space for something. And so sometimes you just have that trade-off for a bit. It's not, I'm going to add in this other project and it's going to piece together beautifully right away to support me. It's what needs to happen and what part of me is this fulfilling as I put my hand in this jar. Yeah. And what part is it fulfilling in like holistically? Like there's just like, we are humans. We have to be mindful of all of our different needs financially, physically, mentally, emotionally. Like there's so many things that we have to balance as entrepreneurs because we can't just like grind it out forever. Nope. I tried that. It didn't work. I think about it sometimes. There's literally times where I'm like, if I put my head down and like, just like grind shit out for six months, that'd be awesome. And then I think of all the stories you told me and I was like, nope, not going to do that. Don't do that. I highly don't recommend it. And it's also hard too, because my businesses are quote unquote successful, right? Right. did some of that come from that? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Was it sustainable? Absolutely fucking not. Yeah. I, this is a conversation I had with my business coach. I feel like I mentioned her a lot on the podcast recently. Well, we did a whole episode last week on business coaches, but um, if we're thinking of like work-life balance or work-life integration, I feel like I've like mastered that. Not oh, mastered you are it. queen at that. Yes. But it, but it's come with trade-offs, right? Like, because I have capped myself in terms of the number of hours that I'm willing to commit to work and therefore my revenue is not as high. And so like, but it's like, it's one of those things where, and this is what my business coach reflected back on me. And she's like, Morgan, it's so much harder for people to prioritize the play and prioritize the life versus work. And so the fact that you've already got the the play and the life piece figured out, like don't go back. That's so fucking true. When I went on the retreat last weekend, We identified our values. And one of my biggest values is playfulness. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what crushed me whenever I was in these seasons of grinding, head down, miserable, not making values aligned decisions. And I had no playfulness Mm. and I had no space for playfulness. And that was really sad. And I'm finally coming out of that, which I'm grateful for. But when I think of work-life balance, I think of you and your happy hours and your intentionality with trips and things. And I think it's so awesome. And there's a trade-off and that's okay. And we have to name that. It's not truly, I don't know if you can have it all. I think that we go in different seasons Mm -hmm. where we have different priorities. And that's what's awesome about entrepreneurship and getting to create the life you want, even if it means you give up quote unquote stable revenue, which is Mm -hmm. also a privilege. It is. To be able to do that. Well. But money's not everything. And Money's not everything. And it's, yeah, it's very helpful to. It's helpful to have money. Yeah, to have money. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we're kind of going on tangents yeah, all over the place. All over the place. All, all semi-related to being multi-passionate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to having all the eggs in different baskets. Yeah. Obviously, this is a little bit more of a conversational episode, which I really love. I love being person and getting I to like have that. these conversations. We're like, we're not doing a serious episode today. No. This is funsies. Yeah. And so even though we didn't give you like three ways to piece together your income, we hope that this at least encourage you to step into that brave space of leaning into the different needs that you have, the different values you have, the different passions you have in order to pursue different projects that just bring you a lot of joy and hopefully some money too. 
And just to give you the permission that you don't have to have just one business and make that your full-time income and that's quote unquote success, you can have a part-time private practice while you work your full-time job if that fulfills you. You can work at a coffee shop if that helps you feel connected in the community and forward-facing. Like all your streams of revenue, all the different projects you have, however you want to classify it and call it your cookie jars, your baskets, get to be piecing together the life you want. And that is a valid way to have a business or a stream of revenue or whatever you want to call it. And you deserve to be able to have that. Thanks for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the pod on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please leave us a rating and review, share with the business bestie, and check out our website at weightinclusiveinnovators.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.